Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Petco Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, they and good day everybody welcome on in this is episode 156 of the talking fires podcast i'm your host ben fadden thank you for hopping on here and joining whether that's live on or on replay on youtube or listening on the podcast platforms apple podcast or spotify i really appreciate it i'm coming to you talking to you about the padres Series win over the Pittsburgh Pirates. This episode, before we get into it, is brought to you by Gaglione Bros. Famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They are located inside Petco Park during the season at every home game. They're located in Mission Gorge and in Point Loma as well. Those are their two outside Petco Park locations. Uh, so gaglionebros.com, you can visit that website to view their entire menu, uh, their phone numbers, their addresses, Great cheesesteaks and garlic fries for you. If you want to have them to celebrate a Padres Series win that took place in Pittsburgh this weekend. Some of the games were really close. There was Saturday's game that was a heartbreaker where you made the argument that they could have swept. But a Series win is a Series win at the end of the day. So I can't be too mad about it. But there are some facts where the bullpen's struggling a little bit. Multiple guys, not just one. Um, and then there's some situations where like the first seven innings of the game today, first six or so innings today, uh, where the Padres offense 
just couldn't really do anything uh, against uh, Mitch Keller and I think the first reliever that they threw out there. But again, a series win is a series win. They end up winning today's game. They won Friday. I know they lost Saturday. We'll get into all of those games. By the way, just want to let you guys know out front, I just put a breakdown out about Bob Melvin being ejected today from the game. There's some lip reading in there uh, because I was able to see what the conversation was happening there. What was it? What was it about? Some of the words that were being said there. I couldn't get all of it just because the camera angle weren't great. Uh, but I did ha- I did put together a little bit of a breakdown there on YouTube, on Twitter. YouTube is where you're going to get the full version, the shortened version to fit Twitter's like 140 seconds that they give me. The shortened version is there. Uh, but I did want to say that before we get started here. Before Friday's game, I want to start with this. On Friday, Ken Rosenthal reported that the Padres made an extension offer recently uh, to Joe Musgrove, eight years, $88 million, so 11 years per year. That's the average annual value of the deal that the Padres offered Joe Musgrove. And I, I reacted to it on the pregame show that day before the Pirates series kicked off. And I'm not surprised at all that Joe Musgrove rejected this deal. He definitely should have. I mean, $11 million a year when Kyle Freeland was, is getting $13 million a year. Kyle Freeland, and that's my main comp. I know some people don't want to compare him to that, but he's the most recent guy that got that big extension. And Kyle Freeland, the last two seasons, has had a four-plus ERA. I think it was actually a 4.30-plus ERA. It's over 4.30. And Joe Musgrove, on the other hand, while I think he's one year older, he's pitching way better than him. His ERA is continuing to get better year over year for the last like three seasons. He threw the first no-hitter in Padres history. The fans would attack, maybe on Twitter only, but they would attack ownership in the Padres as a whole if they weren't able to get this extension done. And so my takeaway from this is you can't be mad at Joe Musgrove for not taking this extension. I don't think anyone is. Like the way extensions go, negotiations usually is what I would imagine is the player shoots for the moon and ownership, the front office gives them a low offer and they hope that they'll accept it. 0.1% of the time they accept it. So then they have to move close to one another and hopefully you find a middle point and you agree to the extension. That's how I think it would be. So the Padres, their lowest offer, $88 million, $11 million a year. And Joe Musco is probably shooting for the moon. He's probably asking for like $25 million a year. I think for me, I think I said like seven years, $120 million. I think that's like, what is that? I think it's, that would be $17 million a year. To be honest, I, I would be okay for, for him right now asking for $20 million a year. But you see what I'm getting at here. The $11 million and a $20 million, that's a big gap that the Padres have to make up in these extension negotiations. But I did want to hit on that. Um, Look, Musgrove, he said earlier on Ben and Woods this month, I believe, he was talking about how these contracts, these talks, they're going to be tabled a little bit. And I totally understand why. That's fine. You know, he wants to worry about pitching and helping this team win. And He said if the Padres end up coming to his agent and giving them a better offer, then he'll look at it. But right now, 
I totally agree with him tabling it because the Padres, that $11 million a year offer, that you can't take that serious if you're Joe Musgrove's camp and if you're Joe Musgrove himself because you're worth more than that based on what you've done for this franchise already, based on your numbers improving, based on what Kyle Freeland got, and you're a better pitcher than him. So that's my thoughts on the Joe Musgrove thing. I think that this they'll end up agreeing to a contract, and he will be a Padre. I'm not going to set any timetable on it. I mean, the all-star break would be great to hammer it out. But if Musgrove agrees to an extension this season, that means that his AAV will increase. And so that's going to affect the Padres' payroll for this season. And they're up against the luxury tax. Um, so they probably don't want to agree to an extension. Now, I was doing some research, I think, last week. And there is a five-day window, if I remember correctly, there's a five-day window from the conclusion of the World Series till when uh, the negotiating window opens for all teams to be able to negotiate with free agents. So I think there's a five-day window after the World Series ends where the Padres exclusively can negotiate with Musgrove. And I believe if they come to an extension then, that money that he gets would not, would not have gone to the Padres' 2022 payroll. Now, a five-day window... That's not ideal, but maybe they come to an agreement at some point during the season. Both sides promise to keep it quiet, and they come and they end up coming to an agreement during that five-day period. Let me make sure I'm right on that. Uh, five-day period. Yeah, so, okay, so I'm looking at this. MLB.com says teams have until five days after the World Series to extend a qualifying offer to their free agents. Okay. So they have five days to extend a qualifying offer. The players who receive the offer then have 10 days to decide whether or not to take it. If they reject it, they're immediately eligible to sign with another team. So if they have a five day period after the world series to extend the qualifying offer, why wouldn't they be able to instead opt to not extend it and just, why can't they offer him the extension right then and there? That feels like an option that should be on the table. I'm not quite sure if it is. But just looking here, all I'm seeing is the qualifying offer. It's MLB.com says the players become free agents the day after the conclusion of the World Series. However, they cannot sign with a new team until five days after the conclusion of the World Series. Okay, so even then, that means that the Padres do have a five-day window there. Uh, where, yeah, it says, so while teams are able to reach out to player representatives, the five-day period serves as an exclusive window in which teams can retain their departing free agents. Quite often... This is a period with very little activity. So the Padres can use this five-day window to negotiate with Musgrove, and I'm not the smartest person out there. I'm not a front office person working for the Padres, but I would think that that's when they, they ideally would want to try to get it done. And if they get it done after the World Series, that money can't count towards the luxury tax for 2022. So they'd be fine with that, staying under the luxury tax, and then they get him – in an extension. So I think that's something that you could definitely see happening. So if they don't get something done and Musgrove just wants to worry about this season, 
I'd be okay. And, and I would think that they'd get something done in that five-day window where that's all they're worried about. They're worried about him and Joe. Boom. I know that they have more free agents, Shamanaya, all that. But if we're being honest, Joe Musgrove is at the very top of the list of Padres free agents that the Padres need to retain at the end of the season, right? We're just being honest here. He is easily the number one guy. Shamanaya has not is not from Grossmont High School. He's not. He didn't grow up a Padre fan. He didn't throw the first no hitter. And Wamanaya is great. Maybe there might be more interest in him on a shorter deal than what Musgrove wants, right? Padres are willing to give him eight years because they offered him eight years. They offered him eight years, eighty-eight million dollars. So you would think that the Padres would continue offering him eight years. It's just going to have to be at a larger number, more than eleven million dollars a year. So that's the Joe Musgrove thoughts that I had going into this episode. I'll just go through the comments real quick before we get to what happened in this Padres pirate series just checking twitter real quick as well don't see anything okay doe says i want these garlic fries yeah gaggling bros they have great garlic fries i can't wait to get back to san diego to have some of those the cheese steaks they're amazing Chip Rocks getting the chat started. Robert Suarez has no right being in the game with any kind of pressure. The guy sucks. Well, yeah, um, that's your, I think you're emotionally reacting to this one game. He'd been pretty good leading up to that. Uh, let's see. Our payroll is embarrassing only if the players don't live up to their obligations. Well, yeah, but that right now, though, that's actually been the problem. They haven't lived up to it. Kim didn't live up to it last year. Profar hasn't lived up to it except this month, right? And then a two-month 2020, but that wasn't even the contract. He got the contract off of the 2020 season. So that's some. Drew Pomerantz hasn't stayed healthy. There's a lot of contracts that haven't lived up to the expectations. And so, yeah, that's why it looks bad. All right, let's get to this Padres Pirates series. What happened Friday? The Padres get the win, seven to three, four run win. They improved to fourteen and seven. That was their fourth straight win, fourth win on the road trip. Start the road trip four and zero. You Darvish started this game. It was Darvish. It was uh, Musgrove in the series finale, and it was Manaya yesterday. So, bottom of the first, Darvish's command was not great. Uh, Daniel Vogelback singled on a liner off Darvish's glove. Castillo hit an RBI single to right field. Uh, that made it 2-0. Pirates, two of Darvish's first nine fastballs were strikes. So his command was erratic. He just wasn't really on at the beginning of the game. He settled down a little bit, though. In the top of the third, Hassan Kim hit a two-run home run to left after Trace Thompson worked a walk. That made it 2-2. Two two. In the top of the fifth, bases loaded one out. Jake Cronenworth singled. Uh, his single hit the second base umpire that drove in a run three to two Padres. Manny hit a sack fly to center, made it four to two. That really opened it up. That actually ended up being the game winning run because that's all they needed was four runs in the bottom of the fifth. Daniel Vogelback had an RBI single to right, made it four to three Padres. So a one run lead trace Thompson, his first start with the Padres. He delivers. 
He has a two RBI single to left field, which was huge. That gave him two more insurance runs, made it 6-3 Padres. In the seventh, Jake Cronenworth hit his second home run of the year into the Crone zone in right center. That made it 7-3 Padres. That was great to see him with that stroke. Suarez came in, had two scoreless innings in the seventh and the eighth, so he hasn't been bad all year. I forget who was saying that in the comments earlier a couple minutes ago about Suarez sucking. Yeah, he sucked today, but he hasn't he hasn't sucked all year. Haas got walked intentionally um, at one point to load the bases in his last at-bat. He was my potter to pick that game, and so I was shortened one at-bat, but he went 0 for 3, I believe, in that game. After tonight, after that game on Friday, uh, the Padres led the National League in runs scored with 98. Padres win 7-3, like I mentioned. Darvish finished with the final line of six innings, allowing three earned runs on one walk, five strikeouts, eight hits. He threw 98 pitches. So my takeaways from this game was Darvish's command was not great to start, but it got better. Um, Bob Melvin is pushing starters now close to 100 pitches. Throughout this entire series, Manaya went over 100 pitches. Trace Thompson coming through. He's definitely, I, I don't see him coming, being sent down, especially when they just spent a roster spot on him, a 40-man roster spot. So they had to transfer Austin Adams uh, off the 40-man and put him on the 60-day IL. Um, and so if they're using a roster spot on him, I wouldn't expect him to be sent down because rosters have to be moved from 28 to 26 guys. Um Starting tomorrow, May 2nd, I believe is that is when that happened. I put an article out on gaslightball.com with five Padres that I think the Padres are at least going to be talking about uh, debating who should be sent down, who of those five guys, two of those five guys should be sent down. It's actually going to be three when you think about it because Mike Clevenger is going to have to be activated. And so they're going to have to replace uh, some guy, probably a, a reliever, with Clevenger. So Clevenger can start on Tuesday um, against the Cleveland Indians. And we'll get to a little preview of that series after I talk about this Padres Pirates series. But Trace Thompson coming through, Jake Cronenworth coming through. Those are my main two takeaways from this game offensively. Padres improved to 14 and 7. I definitely loved what I saw out of the offense pretty late here. Again, Robert Suarez was solid with those two innings. Uh, so that was Saturday's game. Padres win 7 3. On Saturday morning, Kevin Acey said in his newsletter, I put this out on Twitter. That Blake Snell in his uh, one of his bullpen sessions earlier this past week, uh, that Snell broke bullpen catcher Peter Somerville's left hand while throwing a pitch. Um, there was some film of him popping the glove in a bullpen, sitch, in bullpen session at Petco Park. I think that was during the Dodgers series. But if it was earlier this week, it might have been in Cincinnati when Snell was throwing. Snell did have that start uh, in Fort Wayne, by the way that I talked about on one of the pregame shows as well. Um, so I guess, I mean, it's sad for Peter Somerville to uh, have a broken left hand, but I guess the good news out of that is Blake Snell's pitching pretty well, right? Uh, his velocity is there, and he definitely has the pop on the glove. I guess that's what you can take away from that. Chip Rock says, that's nothing. I broke my hand like five times last year watching the Padres. <laughs> What, slamming your hand against the table when they were choking in the second half of the season? I could definitely see that. He, he says Suarez has no – he has gas, but he has no control. Um, yes and no. I mean, he has gas. Yeah, you're right about that. I think his control has been okay this year. 
I know he wasn't good today, but and we're all victims of recency bias, so that's maybe what you're talking about. Um, pre-game Saturday, Dennis Lynn reported that the Potters are discussing will met with other teams. I also talked about that on the pregame show. And my t- main takeaway with this um, for Lamette in this Lamette news was that Lamette probably is best not on this team. The Padres can get back some offense in a deal like this. Um, that's what the Padres are targeting with discussions with other teams because they need better offense. Don't let this offense explosion fool you in this road trip. They're playing the Reds and the Pirates, okay? They, they scored six runs against the Dodgers last weekend, a good team. And then they score four times that amount of runs uh, against the Reds. So let's we can't totally say, okay, this offense is good, you know, based off a Red series where they didn't even have Hunter Green pitching. So we got to – anyone that thinks that, I think you're getting a little blindsided by the fact that you're just looking at the scoreboard, the box score, look at what they've done in the past against good teams so far this year. Uh, and Jerks so far, he's come back down to earth a little bit. So trading Lamette to me, it might be a win-win. You know, he gets a chance to go elsewhere, maybe have a bigger role. The Padres get back an offensive player, and it clears up room. Later this year, they're going to have Michelle Baez come back, Jose Castillo come back, Drew Pomerantz come back, Clevenger's coming back, Snell. Um, did I say Morhone already? Nick Martinez is going to move to the bullpen. So they're going to have Austin Adams, Pierce Johnson. They're going to have a ton of arms in that bullpen. So losing Lamette is not going to be a big deal because you're going to get a lot of arms back. Um, to even be like a full, not just replacing Lamette, but be a, they're going to have a full, full chamber of arms, some that are going to have to be in the minor leagues. So Lamette, losing Lamette I don't think is going to be a big deal. And even right now, even on the team right now, like, how, where is he? Where is he? Let me know in the chat. Where is he in your tiers of who you trust in this bullpen? Like when you go through this bullpen, where is Lamette on your list of who you trust? How far down on the list? For me, it's like six or seven. You have Taylor Rogers, Luis Garcia, Stephen Wilson. I know Stephen Wilson's had a couple bumpy outings, but I still trust him more. You have Robert Suarez, Chris Matt, I trust more. Hill, I trust more. That's six. Ray Kerr, I even trust more right now. I've seen him for one inning. He struck out Max Muncy. He didn't give him any runs. So that's seven that I put in front of, Aust- uh, uh, excuse me, Denelson Lamette. Pedro Avila, no. Stammen, I mean, he's kind of tied with Lamette right now. So that's seven guys that you put in front of Lamette, I would, in my list. So would you rather keep Lamette and pay him f- over $4 million? when he's not going to have a huge role on this team probably, especially when they get back all of those arms I just mentioned a little a little bit ago. I don't think it's worth it. I think it's better to get some offense back. So Turbo says DFA Lamette. Chip Rock says I trust Lamette more than I do Suarez. See, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think you're just overreacting to today's game. Look at what Lamette's done this season. He doesn't have a defined role on this team. Robert Suarez does. He's Melvin trusts Lam, uh, Suarez more than he does Lamette. I'll just tell you that right now. Turbo says, let Lamette play in AAA and look good for the trade. That's not the way it works. He's getting paid over $4 million. They're not sending him down. I don't even know if he has any options left. Does he have any options left? 
I can look that up right now. According to Fangraphs, Lamette, okay, he has two options left, but they're, they, they're paying him over $4 million. They're not sending him down. They still, like Bob Melman still thinks that he has something in there, but they're not going to send him down so he looks good for a trade. You literally send down a reliever and then you trade him, you're not going to get a whole lot of value there because the other team's like, you just sent him down to AAA. Why should we just trade for a guy and give you a bunch back when you just sent the guy down to AAA? You don't have a lot of faith in him, so why why should we give you a lot back? So that doesn't make sense. Wait a bit is what Trip Rock said, so he can continue sucking more. Like, I, I'm just not totally with that. Maybe wait more so you can see if Clevenger stays healthy and Snell stays healthy, something like that, or if Gord stays pitching well and staying healthy. But in terms of waiting for him to pitch well, I don't know if I have a whole lot of confidence in that because how, how many opportunities these opportunities in these high leverage situations is he going to get? That's my big question mark there. So that's the Denelson Lamette situation. Moving on to Saturday's game, the Padres lose this one in a heartbreaking fashion, seven to six to the Pittsburgh Pirates. One run, one run game that they lose. They fall and now uh, entering Sunday's game, they were 14 and eight after Sunday's game. They're 15 and eight, but after Saturday, 14 and eight, Hosmer got to a 400 average at one point, hitting an opposite field home run to left. That was his third home run of the year. That made it three to one Padres uh, in that fourth inning. In the fifth, Josh Van Meter had an RBI double to right center, made it three to two. Reynolds uh, tied the game uh, on a fielder's choice. Shamanaya, he didn't have his best stuff, but some of them, some of his pitches or some of the runs that he gave up weren't like totally on him. The first run was unlucky. It hit off of him and went into the outfield. His third run might not have scored had Kim not spun on that double play ball where Cronenworth uh, fielded it, threw it to him, and uh, Kim went to catch it, and he did like a 360 spin and then threw it to first. It wasn't in time. If he didn't spin, they might have been able to get him and that would have got him out of the inning. They wouldn't have scored that run. So some of those runs that he gave up was a little bit luck uh, for Manaya there, or unlucky, I should say. So he goes 108 pitches, six and two-thirds innings, gave him three runs, five hits, struck out six, walked three. I'm, to be honest, I was surprised that they let Manaya continue to go out there in that seventh inning and let him go get those first two outs. Matchups allowed him to get the first out, but then they continued to let him get the second out when I believe it was a left-on-right situation. So I was a little surprised by that. But then when you look back on it, I wasn't totally surprised because of the bullpen situation. You know, that game yesterday, entering the game, it was kind of like who was he going to go to? Taylor Rogers yesterday was not available after going three straight days. And then – Oh, the only two guys you had was Wilson and Garcia. So at that point, they hadn't even gotten him through seven innings yet. Or the Padres weren't through seven. M- Manaya did not get through seven. So you have to cover at least seven outs with Luis Garcia and Steven Wilson. And then you take into account that the game went into extra innings because Suarez wasn't available. He had 21 pitches on the 29th, uh, the day before yesterday. So he was not available either. 
um, Stammen threw eight pitches. They weren't going to pitch him in a high leverage situation. Denelson Lamette, they weren't going to pitch him in a high leverage situation. So it was Garcia and Wilson. Those were the two guys that they had available. Those were the two guys that they were going to ride. And when you go to extra innings and you're relying on two guys now to get uh, 10 outs, right, because you have the eighth, the eighth and ninth innings, 10th inning, and that one out in the seventh, that's asking a lot. And that ended up in the eighth inning. Michael Chavis hits a two-run home run off Wilson, tied it at five. Wilson had that breaking ball that was left up. That was trouble, so the game was tied. And that, by the way, came after Manny Machado hit a big home run to right center field. So that was one of two leads that the Padres had late in the game, starting from the eighth inning on. They had a lead in the eighth inning on the Manny home run. They had a lead in the tenth inning on Trent Grisham's go-ahead single that brought in a run after, I believe, Abrams got the runner over to third on a bunt that almost hit him in the hands, by the way. So they had two leads. They choked both of them. In the bottom of the tenth, Cabrian Hayes scores um, on the Eric Hosmer air all the way from first. Luis Garcia, he was giving up some hard contact, but this ground ball to Eric Hosmer should have been made. I initially said on the game reaction, on my initial game, the instant game reaction that I do after every game, that the ball went between his legs and it gave me like Bill Buckner vibes. But when I I didn't get to see the replay. I was literally reacting on that play. The only replays that Bally showed was of the play that that the Pirates were challenging, which was... Cabrian Hayes, if he was safe or not, because he was initially called out and then he was ruled safe. It was overturned. And then the Pirates win. So I didn't get to see the replay of Hosmer missing the grounder. I posted the replay on uh, Twitter and Instagram after, and he actually tried to backhand the ball, which infuriates me even more. He tried backhanding it instead of getting in front of it, just getting down. If he would have gotten on a knee or just blocked the ball, Cabrian Hayes would not have scored because he was on first base. But he tries backhanding it instead of getting in front of it, goes under his glove, and that's Eric Hosmer. You know, you go flashbacks to a lot of plays that he's had over this Padres tenure in his first four years that he was there, and then now his fifth year where he's blown plays. You go all the way back to his first year in 2018 against the Astros. Bregman hits a pop-up, and Eric Hosmer lets the ball go behind his head, and it's two outs, so the Astros runners are running all the way around the bases, and the Astros end up winning on a pop-up that goes five feet past home plate in fair territory. So there's that one. There's plays where over the first, the first four years and even into this year where he's continuing to have a ball come to him thrown on one hop, and instead of going towards the ball, he lunges backwards or goes backwards into foul into the uh, almost foul territory. He goes into the base paths where the runner is coming, and it takes a split second more for the ball to go to an, into his glove, and it's just a dangerous play. So that these this defense from Hosmer has really irritated me over the time that he's been a Padre, and it's irritated a lot of Padre fans. I'm not the only one, I'm sure. And I don't want to make this a rain and just a hate on Hosmer because he had amazing April. If I was a voter for the player of the month, he'd probably at least be in my top three for NL player of the month. Manny would be number one for me uh, because in April, he was great defensively. He didn't have that bad error to end April, which everyone's on recency bias, so people are going to remember that for player of the month voting. He drove in more runs, hit one more home run, 
uh, and his average was close to Hosmer, almost at 400, just like Haas ended uh, April at. So both of those guys were really, really good in April. So I don't want to, I don't want to, excuse me, I don't want to rain on the Hosmer April parade because he did, he did really, really well. I want to give him his props for that. But now that the calendar turns to May, let's really focus on what Eric Hosmer is doing past May because he's had a history last year. He hit over 300 in April, and then it went down to like 247 and then got even worse, I believe, uh, in June. So that's just the history that I've seen from Eric Cosmer. That's all I'm saying. Um, but it was really a crushing way to lose that game because Shamanaya really, really went out there and continued to grind. He threw 108 pitches, six and two-thirds innings. Like, he grinded through it, and the, he deserved to – half fist bumps at the end of that game. And instead he was walking into the clubhouse after a loss. So that, that was definitely disappointing. These are some games I talked about on the pregame show earlier today before this series finale. These are some games where it's like, okay, you got to win these games, right? You're going to look back the Dodgers, the giants, they win these games. That's why they, that's why the giants won 107 games last year because they won the games that they should have won. This was a game I thought that the Padres should have won. They had three leads. They had two from the start of the eighth or eighth inning. They had a lead. Tenth inning, they had a lead. They lost both of them. The pitching wasn't great. The bullpen was not great uh, specifically. Hosmer should have made that play. Okay, so there were, there were different people to blame for this game. But there's this game. There's the Diamondbacks game where Stammen gave up that walk-off homer to Seth Beer on opening day. That's two big games here uh, to start the season that might end up costing the Padres, whether that's the division, whether that's a playoff spot, you hope that they're in the playoffs, uh, or whether that's home field advantage, a three seed in the playoffs where you don't get the home field advantage because you missed out on these two games. You know, So for those people saying that said today or yes, last night, hey, it's only one game, go get them tomorrow, go win tomorrow. Yep, they won today. Yep, you're right, they won today, but you can't do anything about tomorrow, so that's good that they won today, but... You can't do anything and you can't change the result of last night. You lost the game last night. You lost the game on opening day. Those are two games that you probably wish you you might end up want, wanting back at the end of the season. It's as simple as that. So Padres lose on Saturday 7-6. to six. They end April 14-8. and eight. I'm happy with that considering Tatis is out, Austin Adams, Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, Pierce Johnson. Um, you're having Mackenzie Gore make his first few starts in the big leagues, right? Nick Martinez struggled a little bit. You Darvish had that really bad outing. Shamanaya had that bad bad outing against the Dodgers. Jerks and Profar is your third best hitter for most of the month. Eric Hosmer, uh, who they were trying to trade and almost got a trade done during spring training, is your arguably best hitter, second best hitter of the month. Considering those circumstances, they're, uh, they end 14-8. and eight. I'm all for that. I'm happy with that month. Um, and – I think you should be. I think you should be. You know, there's. I did just complain about two games there that they should have had, but um, 14 and 8, I will take considering the circumstances. And they're still right in it in the division. They end up winning on Sunday, 5 to 2. They improved to 15 and 8 on Sunday. Uh, the game was delayed an hour and 20 minutes in the top of the third after Austin Nolan did not tag up on Jake Cronenworth's fly out to right field. He ends up scoring on Manny Machado's single uh, up the middle. Uh, to the outfield. I thought that Nola definitely should have tagged up on this play. I mean, it was a fly ball almost to the warning track, and he did not fly out. Or, excuse me, he did not tag up. 
Cronenworth flew out, and you could see a camera. A camera showed Cronenworth going back to the dugout, shaking his head because he knew that Nola should have tagged there. So I don't know what he was doing, but it ended up not mattering, I guess, because Manny drove him in, made it one nothing Padres in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, the Pirates had a bloop single that would have gotten a runner to third base, but Jerks and Profar threw him out. I don't. I tweeted on the Talking Friars Twitter. I don't know when people, are, when other teams are going to learn. Don't run on Jerks and Profar when the ball's right in front of you. He's in left field. You're trying to get to third. Don't run on him. It's happened a lot. He threw out a, he threw out Joey Votto at home earlier this year. He threw out Chris Taylor in that Dodger game uh, when they ended up when Nola ended up walking it off uh, in the bottom of that tenth inning. He throws out. Uh, Pittsburgh runner here in the sixth. That was huge. So just don't run on Jerkson. People, they, teams are going to learn, but they still haven't learned yet, according to the Pirates today. Joe Musgrove got a seventh strikeout to end the sixth. He was cruising. 71 pitches it took him to get through six, or yeah, through six innings. Mitch Keller was good as well. Musgrove wasn't getting any run support while Keller was on the mound through six innings. Keller allowed one run, five hits, didn't walk anyone. So his pitch count, that's why his pitch count wasn't going up. That's why he was allowed to go that long. Usually Pirates pitchers have not been going three times through the order or, or even facing the top of the order a third time. But the Pirates let him do that today uh, because of how well he was doing. He struck out five. In the seventh, there were second and third, two outs. I was worried the Padres weren't going to come through here. Grisham, though, he does come through. Gave the Padres some insurance runs. This ended up actually being the game-winning play here because the Padres went three to, or yeah three to they went five to two, but Pittsburgh only scores two runs, so the Padres only needed three runs in this game. Grisham a two-run single to right. Abrams and Nola score a big double by Abrams by the way that set up this single uh, to keep the rally alive with two outs. Made it three to nothing Padres in the bottom of the seventh. Roberto Perez had an RBI single off the right field wall. That ended up being the first run that the Pirates scored in this game, first of two. Uh, Bob Melvin was ejected after this play. I believe he was arguing. Uh, well, he wasn't really arguing. Like He was yapping at the home plate umpire, and the home plate umpire threw him out, and Bob Melvin came out. Don and Mudd on the broadcast did not know why he got thrown out, and to be honest, I don't know either. The umpire, well, I kind of know. The umpire was sick of Bob Melvin yelling at him from the dugout. And but Bob Melvin, I read his lips. I put a breakdown out on this. It's available right now on this YouTube channel in full. Uh, I hope you subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all daily Padres content all year long, including breakdowns, lip readings, all of that. I put a breakdown out, and it Bob Melvin was mad at the home plate umpire because. The home plate umpire did not allow Melvin to air him out, did not allow Melvin to argue with him. That was the first time, according to what Bob Melvin told the home plate umpire after he had been thrown out, it was the first time that Bob Melvin had been arguing with the home plate umpire all game, all game long, and the umpire threw him out. So that seems a little weak from the home plate umpire, but that's what happened. Um, and... So, again, I encourage you to go watch that breakdown. It's available uh, on the YouTube channel, on this YouTube channel, Talking Friars on YouTube for the podcast listeners uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, it's also on Instagram in full. The Twitter one that I put out, it's shortened because Twitter only allows me to put out uh, like 140 seconds. 
and the breakdown's longer than that because it needed to be to explain it and to show what Bob Melvin and the umpire was saying um, in that whole ejection thing. Donna Mudd did not know what was going on, and I didn't either at the, when I first saw it. But then I broke it down, uh, went through the video, slowed it down, and so that breakdown's available. So I hope you enjoy that. But Bob Melvin did get ejected. It was the first time that he had got ejected as a Padres manager. And maybe that helped the Padres. I don't know. They end up scoring two more runs after that. Um, Grisham had a single the second. Cronenworth had another single as well. That scored Austin Nola, made it 6-2. to two. Those were the final runs uh, of the game. Did I say 5-2 to two earlier? I think I said that the Padres won 5-2 to two earlier in this game. It was five to two. Okay, so my notes are wrong here. That Nola RBI made it five to two. I don't know why I thought six to two. My bad. Padres won five to two in this game. Musgrove, seven innings, one earned run, seven hits, walked none, eight strikeouts, 92 pitches. Again, if you know me, I am huge on not walking, guys, not giving up free passes. And that's exactly what Musgrove was able to do not give up free passes. And I love that. Anyone that walks like less than two guys in an outing, please clap it up. Clap it up. Joe Musgrove deserves that. Uh, He pitched really, really well today, and I was glad that the offense ended up scoring some runs for him because those first six innings, it was not great. It it looked really bad. Scoring only one run for him there, it just didn't look great. Um, But they do win this series. They are now 15-8. and Again, I'll buy that going into this off day and then a Cleveland two-game series. I'm glad that they were able to uh, get this series, this this last game in, rather, uh, because it was delayed, and the forecast I was looking at during the pregame show, it showed that it was going to rain, and there were some thunderstorms in the forecast like all day. So I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to get it in, but it was delayed an hour and 20 minutes. They got the whole game in without any stoppages, so that was good. And like I mentioned, eight, fifteen and eight, the Padres are right now, uh, and they move on with an off day, a two-game series against Cleveland. And so, just some quick takeaways from this series: Manny having a home run, Jake Cronenworth having a home run, Hassan Kim having a home run, Cronenworth also coming in a little bit offensively in other ways, Grisham coming through today, Abrams having a good day offensively. Look, my big takeaway here is the bullpen was shaky. But Taylor Rogers, Taylor Rogers, the Padres are going to have to rely on him a lot. That's what I've taken away so far this series, this road trip. Right, Lamette struggles in that last game in the Cincinnati series. That may that means Taylor Rogers has to come in in that Cincinnati series, and then that makes him not available for yesterday's game because he ended up throwing on Friday, three days in a row that he threw three games in a row, so he was not available to pitch Saturday. He pitches today, closes it down, no harm done. They're just going to rely a lot on Taylor Rogers until other guys come back, until Pierce Johnson comes back, until Baez and Castillo come up, you know, until Pomerantz hopefully can be healthy and come up. That's just the way it's going to be because Robert Suarez, he's pitched well, but you're going to have some shaky outings every once in a while. This is his first year in the big league. Luis Garcia, he's going to have some shaky outings. Steven Wilson, it was a great start to this season, right? A great start to this season for him. It was like the first time since like April 13th that he gave up a run the other night. He, he's been nails, but he's a rookie, just called up. It, he wasn't even like a firm 
it wasn't like a hundred percent that he was going to make the roster out of spring training, at least leading up to the roster decisions. So look, he's a rookie. My point is he's going to make mistakes too. He's not going to have, he's not going to be on all of the time. You know, they don't have six Trevor Hoffman's in this bullpen. You know, you can make the argument they have two and it's Wilson and Rogers from what we've seen. Right. But Wilson is going to struggle at times. Everyone is. Rodgers is going to struggle at times as well. He struggled, I think, once, right? If I remember correctly, I think it was a non-save. No, no, no. It was the five-out save that he tried to get against the Dodgers, and Turner doubled off the left field wall. So uh, there's there's some – there's one time pretty much where Rodgers has struggled. But, yeah, Jessica, you're right. The Trevor Hoffman effect, uh, Rodgers is money. He's been money. You're right. Any closer in San Diego is always money. Kind of weird, huh? Any closer, you're right, pretty much has been nailed so far for the Padres for a long time. They just have a history of that. Now you hope that they can have a better back end of the bullpen consistently so Rodgers doesn't have to go three games in a row. You know, And there isn't so much pressure on him. Because right now, there's a lot of pressure on Taylor Rodgers. There just is. Based on the bullpen, based on... Suarez, you know, struggling today based on uh, Luis Garcia struggling yesterday, uh, based on Lamette struggling in Cincinnati. There's just not a lot of guys that they can go to. Steven Wilson having a rough patch in this series. It's just the way it is. Not everyone's going to be on their game. And Taylor Rodgers, there's going to be games where everyone else was good. He comes in for the save. He blows it. The Padres lose. I'm not saying that Rodgers is going to be 100% the whole season. But I am confident in this guy that despite the pressure, he's going to show up. So I like that. I'm confident in that. Um, so those are my main takeaways. Some of the rest of the offense is coming together. Profar, yeah, he's going to come back. He's coming back down to earth a little bit offensively, but he's still good defensively. And my main takeaway is the bullpen. Just Rodgers, you're gonna. He has a lot of pressure on him right now. Mitch, you're. You must be on drugs or something. Put Stammen in the closer role. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Maybe go look at his game logs. Uh, he just has not been great this year. And there's a there's a big list of guys that Melvin would put in the closer role before Stammen. Um, the MVP of the series. Let me know. Who would you guys put as the MVP of this series for the San Diego Padres? There's a couple that I would go with or that I would think about. That was a joke. Okay, yeah, it better be, Mitch. <laughs> All right. My gut reaction here is to go Manny Machado, and he'll be my series MVP. Unless someone else, like, pulls up some big numbers that I missed, Uh, in this series, my series MVP is Machado. I know they didn't win yesterday, but he had a big home run there, made a great play there. He didn't have the air that lost them the game yesterday. Um, I'm just trying to... go through the stats, what Manny did to kind of confirm my MVP pick. He went one for four with uh, an RBI on Friday. 
And then he went one for three with two RBIs on Saturday. So he has three RBIs there. And then today, what do you do today? Just trying to jog my memory. Three RBIs so far. He drove in another run today, one for five. He's hitting 375 at the 1.031 OPS right now, the highest on the team. Leads the National League in war. He's my MVP. Manny overall, Irie Fan Geeks agrees. Yeah. Profar, the reason I, under I understand where you're coming from with the assist. You say the assist God Profar, but he has come a little bit down to earth offensively. Jessica says, Kim has been hot as of late. Love it. Could DH when Tatis comes back if Voight doesn't come back and focus on contact? Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't really be ideal to have Kim DHing when he's known as a defensive first shortstop. Might as well just have Kim at shortstop and Tatis DHing so you can keep Tatis healthy. I get your point because if Kim continues to be hot, but I think... Kim can just play second base, to be honest. You put Kim at second base, you can put Haas DHing if you want that, if he's still hot. You put Cronenworth at first. I think that's the way that they could go there. Uh, today, Doe says Grisham today, but I'm talking about an MVP for the entire series. Today, he did also have a ball to the warning track where he could have caught it, and maybe he thought the wall was right there, and then... He like went to go try. It's like he stopped trying to catch it. He like gave up on the ball at the warning track. He definitely had room to catch it. I tweeted it out. It's on the Talking Friars Twitter at Talking Friars. If you want to go look at it, he could have caught that ball and he gave up on it. So it's not like he was amazing this entire series either. But yeah, today he was really really good. He came up with that clutch two RBI single. He came up with the RBI single yesterday. So. He would probably be in my top three or four, though, uh, in uh, series MVPs. But I'm going to go Manny. Mitch um, says he's not impressed with Voight so far. I'm not either. Totally with you there. He's on the IL, so he's going to have some time to heal up and maybe refine his approach a little bit. Jessica says, ooh, I like that. Good idea. Tatis at DH to keep him healthy. Look, I don't know. I think that's something that they should float around, and they're going to give him a couple days at DH when he comes back. That would be my gut instinct because Kim is really good defensively at shortstop. Um, I don't think Tatis would wa want to DH every day. So I don't think, and you paid him $340 million. Uh, it wasn't 350. It was 340 million turbo. Um, but I get your point saying 350 million, no defense. He can't DH. He's going to DH a little bit. That's just the way it's going to be. They want to keep him healthy. But I was just floating out that idea of Tatis DHing, just taking emotions out of it and just looking at keeping guys healthy and having the best defense on the field. I'm just thinking of it like that, that way. That's not going to happen because Tatis will have a say. He's not going to want to DH. You'll piss him off if you have him DHing every day. That's just the way it is. Um, he signed to play shortstop. So I know that's not going to happen, but I was just floating that idea out there as something that the Padres will probably use when he comes back 
at least a few times. They'd be dumb not to to give him a few days off his feet and keep him healthy. Um, so that's my MVP of the series is Manny just getting back to that. And then the Padres, they have an off day tomorrow. So kind of looking what's next. They have an off day tomorrow, May 2nd. Uh, and then they have two games against the Cleveland Guardians to finish out this road trip. They are 5-1 and one so far on this road trip. Two more games. On Tuesday at 3.10 p.m. Pacific time, it's Mike Clevenger making his Padres 2022 regular season debut against Zach Plesak, Dan Plesak's, uh, uh, I think, nephew, I think, or son. I forget what it is, but Plesak against Clevenger in Cleveland. Padres will get to face Austin Hedges, Josh Naylor, Fran Mill Reyes, all former Padres. Uh Bank it right now. Put a bet on it. Austin Hedge is hitting a bomb. He is going to hit a bomb at one point in this two-game series. That's just the way it is. Fran Mill's going to hit a bomb. Naylor's going to hit a bomb. Well, I'll put it like this. Naylor and Fran Mill hitting bombs. Hedge is an extra base hit. It's going to happen. That's just the way it is. Hedges is going to throw out Abrams trying to steal. It's just my pessimism and pessimistic type of viewpoint, but... Former Padres crushed the Padres when they played them. It happened with Tommy Pham this year. I put out a tweet earlier this year about former Aegon, uh, Alexi Amarista hitting like over 300 against us, uh, Nick Hundley, Cameron Maben. It's just down the line of former Padres. So it's going to happen. Bank on it. 310 Pacific time on Tuesday. And then getaway day, a day game, morning baseball, 10, 10 a.m. Pacific time. 1.10 p.m. Eastern time, Cleveland and San Diego. Mackenzie Gore facing former Padre Cal Quantrill. Quantrill has a 3.27 ERA so far this year. He's going to strike out 10 guys. That's just the way it is. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Former Padres beating up the Padres when they play them. Um, you'd like them to win both games in this series, but being 5-1 and one so far, if they split, they'll be 6-2. and two. Going into the series, I wanted them to be six and two at least. I would have been kind of okay with five and three. So if they lose the next two games, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but it would suck. It would suck for the moment. Six and two is what I think they need to do. Split this series. If you lose to Cal Quantum because it's a former Padre beating you, okay. I want Mike Clevenger to stay healthy. That's what I want to have after, you know coming out of this series. Clev stay healthy, pitch pretty well, and I'll be happy. The offense continue to hit pretty well. Don't let Fran Mill, don't, especially don't let Hedges hit a home run. We're never going to hear the end of that. That's going to suck. Don't let that happen, and I'll be pretty happy. So if they split the series, they'll have a 6-2 and two road trip. That's what I wanted. I'll be happy with that. All right, before we get out of here, again, this episode sponsored by Gaggle and Bros, Famous Cheese Steaks, and Garlic Fries inside Petro Park, Point Loma, Mission Gorge, GaggleandBros.com. To view their entire menu, going through these comments. What's up, Raven? How's it going? Hope you're doing well tonight. Uh, just going through these last comments here. Raven says, need to cut Matt Beatty. He is a scrub. I don't think they're going to cut him. I think he has one option available. I talked about this on Gaslamp Ball in a piece. He is an option to be sent down if they want to go with an outfield of Jerks and Profar, Trace Thompson, Trent Grisham, and then Jose Azokar and have CJ Abrams as a emergency option they could do that way they could do that so i think you could see them setting him down um cutting him i don't think that's going to happen 
keep Trace Thompson on the roster. I do agree with that. They're not going to send him down after giving him a 40-man roster spot uh, a matter of days ago. Raven says Haas is okay. His bat is making up for it. It was in April. Uh, I am seeing him swing at those high pitches again and hit some more grounders at more frequent, frequent basis. So that's not great to see. And when he makes an error at the end of the game that cost him, cost the team the game, it literally did. That's not great. You can't just say Haas is okay. You know, his defense still is not great. People, casual fans, they still look at him as the gold glove guy that he was in Kansas City. That's not the guy who he is anymore. Everyone else needs to step up, not Haas. Haas needs to step up defensively. I'll say that. Jessica says, Toddy, Crony, Machado, Hosmer, Profar, Voigt, Hassan Kim, Myers, Alfaro, Grish. I think she's asking who needs to step up. I don't know what I don't know what her question mark is there. If she's replying to Raven or um, let me see here. Trace Thompson and Jose Azokar are awesome. Thompson had nine homers in El Paso. Yep. And he had two RBIs on Friday in his first start with the Padres. Uh, Irie says, just imagine if Voight had a strong second half when Tatis comes back. Boy, that would be great. He'd be the DH every day. Well, almost every day. Um, and that would definitely help. Jerks and Profar is not going to hit like this all year. Hosmer's going to come back down to earth a little bit. You want him to hit hit 300, but I don't think that's going to happen based on previous history. And I don't think he's going to hit opposite field home runs all year like he did in Pittsburgh on, what was that, uh, Friday, Saturday? Saturday. Um, he's not going to do that all year. Um. Raven says, nothing can help Voight. He is trash. He hasn't been good to start the year, but I still want to have some confidence in him because he did have success with the Yankees power-wise. So you hope that it's just a transition period and he will have more success. You know, you hope that you really do hope that that's the case. All right, this will do it. I previewed the Cleveland series a little bit, talked about the, uh, the Padres Pirates, the Padres winning two out of three. Stay tuned. Got a huge guest coming up, scheduled for Tuesday. It was supposed to go tomorrow. Scheduled for Tuesday, joining the show. It will go out on Tuesday. Stay tuned for that. A huge guest coming on the show on Tuesday. That's at least what it's scheduled for. So stay tuned for that on Tuesday. Daily Padres content on this YouTube channel. I hope you subscribe. Ben Fadden signing off. Thank you so much for watching live. We're on replay on YouTube, listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. This has been episode 156 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. See you, everyone.